0: Welcome to this week's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. We know you are going to absolutely love today's guest. Author Kanchan Bhaskar has written a beautiful, beautiful book called Leaving, How to Set Yourself Free from an Abusive Marriage. That is the topic of the show. She is going to tell us her story, how she set herself free. So take it away, Miss
1: Rita. Well, thank you for the introduction, Hope, and Kanchan, thank you so much for being here. I just want people to see it because your book went live this month, so here's to celebrating you. Thank you so much for being here.
2: I am privileged to be here.
1: So, your story is beautiful. I don't say was, because your story, you're still living it. It is beautiful. What prompted you to write about such a difficult topic
2: I had been thinking about writing it for a long time now. Um, My children have been telling me forever uh, since my divorce, in fact, 20 years back, that I should write my story and reach out to the people and share how I came out of that uh, trap that I was in um, while I was with my perpetrator but I could not make myself to write it because I think I had not yet come out of the hurt. I was still going through that phase. And uh, it was not until my therapist, whom I normally go, you know, even in good moments or bad moments, I always have a therapist. So she told me when I went to her and I said, I'm looking for my purpose in life and I really do not know what that is. I'm a little confused and I think I have a calling and I'm very uh, restless and I'm, you know, I don't know what to do. And she said, Kanchan, you have this such a compelling story. That is your purpose. These people need you. They need to hear your story and your resilience and the courage with which you came out. So go and share that story with them. Become their advocate. And that was the time I thought, I should be writing this story. So I called my children and I said, mom is now ready to write the story. That's how it started.
1: And that's so beautiful. What I love about it, and I did read the book over the weekend. What I really love about it is you gave yourself the time and space to heal so that you're ready. Because if you're to
2: do it too soon, it could even be more traumatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh not that it was still easy for me, it was pretty difficult. I was very enthused when I thought about writing, but when I actually started to write all the events and the um, episodes that happened, I did go through PTSD. And, uh, you know, almost for I think uh, close to a year, I was pretty sad. I wasn't depressed, I would say, it wasn't that acute, but I was sad. But towards the end of it, I feel that I've healed because now that I've shared it with the world and shared with them, also the hope and the desire and the empowerment that I got from this journey, the transformation that happened uh, has healed me quite a bit.
1: Thank you so much for sharing. One of the things that I read on the back, and this is like, oh, I definitely want to read this, is a lot of people say, Why doesn't she leave? And why does she go back? You know, this is your story. This is your story. What do you say to people who, of course, I want them to read the book and they should read the book. But what do you say to people who are scared to leave?
2: No, they should leave and they go back. Since you've been in that situation, I think. Yeah. So I know that's a question that society always asks. Why didn't she leave? Or even when you share, it's like, why don't you leave? That is one big reason that the victims do not speak up because that's what they're going to hear. Why don't you leave? Why are you with him? But everybody has a typical situation. You know, either they are fearful of the perpetrator that they are going to kill them. And that is what they have been threatening them with for so long that if you leave me, I am going to find you wherever you are and I'm going to kill you. Or they say that I am going to commit a suicide myself. So that also worries the victim. Uh, At the same time, the uh, society also does not support, you know, everybody wants to stay away from that because it's also an unsafe situation at times for them because they do not know what the perpetrator could do to them. And You know, there could be financial reasons for not leaving. There could be children involved for not leaving. There could be no other home where to go to. I mean, there are N number of factors that make the victim stay and keep on bearing that torture. Absolutely. And the other thing that's really
1: important is we think about the cultural nuances, not just yourself, your children, but your family. Retaliation uh alienation isolation
2: yes. is Correct. that right absolutely that is totally right uh, especially from the culture that I come in uh, a girl when she is given in marriage we call it given in marriage that means that you are given now to another family you do not you are not our responsibility anymore from today onwards You are their responsibility. They will be looking after you. They are your parents. They are your brothers and sisters. And that's your husband. So if at all you are coming back to our house, you should be coming smiling and, you know, comfortably, uh, but not otherwise. So that is kind of a traditional thing coming on uh, from generation to generation, It's not that whether uh, I belong to a very modern family and a very enlightened family, but still that was at the back of my mind that I'm supposed to stay back here with my husband and not keep going back to my parents. But at the same time, uh, you know, once you are out of that house, it's very difficult to go back and accommodate again in the same house with your own parents and with your own brothers and sisters whom you've left. It's like you become homeless. You neither belong to your parents' house anymore. You don't belong to your husband's house anymore. And you don't have another place to go. So you are like a homeless person.
1: Yes, you're alienated, isolated, and all on your own. And I love what you said about your family being very enlightened. Like you're. Your parents, the soul progressive, and your brother just there for you, having you back, advocating you through thick and thin. So you know how I asked you about why does she stay? Why doesn't she leave? How can we help women who are in that situation? What what are some things we can do? Of course, listen, be a good friend, but they're scared. What can we do to support them?
2: Right. So I think, first of all, the first thing that has to happen is that society has to become aware of the gravity of the situation. The society is not yet aware. In America, one in three women and one in five men go through domestic abuse once in their lifetime. Whereas when you talk in America about it, they think it's only the developing countries or the Asian countries or India or you know, the other countries that where the numbers are more, but the numbers are almost similar in all the countries all over the globe. So the gravity of the situation is not known only because the victim does not speak up. They are fearful, like we just talked. They are fearful of telling anybody. But the first thing they need to do is to speak up. So the victim needs to speak up and the society needs to listen to them. Once they come out and have faith in you and trust in you and the confidence of sharing with you, listen to them and give them your support in the sense of you don't have to feed them or you don't have to give them home, but at least provide them all the information that is available. Sometimes the victim is so much isolated from the rest of the world that they do not know where they can go for help. And in US, we have got uh, all these resources available and government spends millions and billions of dollars to give these resources to the victims and the survivors. So there are medical uh, help available. There are psychiatry help available. There are mental institutions available. There are what you call, you know, the, the places to stay overnight. Uh, the Those are available. So I think if the society is somehow... Uh, able to have that information with them somewhere, a cheat sheet or if they can put it in their social media from time to time, that if somebody is in trouble, you know, in a violence relationship or abusive relationship, these are the numbers they should call or, you know, something of that nature. Because especially in rural areas, interiors of America, also the information may not be gone going to the right people at the right time. So providing the information, that is another thing that they can do. Small little steps like, you know, if somebody they know is going through a bad time and they need to go to a hospital, they don't have a transport, just, you know, take them, drop them there. Very small steps need to be taken. And at the same time, I think that educating our younger generation of the meaning and the definition of partnership is very, very important because still we believe in man role belief system and we think men have got power and women do not even till date, you know, in spite of all this globalization happening and, you know, the man going to the moon and doing all that, we still believe that is the man who has the power. So I think that education, imparting that education from the foundation days is very, very important, not only in schools and colleges, but also at home. Telling them that there is no difference between sexual orientation, there is that these men and women are at par with each other. Respect and
1: stability go a long way. So one of the things that I read several times um, in your book is when an incident happens, People would approach you. Authorities would approach you. Oh, what could you have done to disturb him as if it was
2: your fault right. when he had an anger outburst? Right, right. And, you know, that is what typically happens, that the perpetrator manipulates the victim so much that every time the victim thinks that could be it's my fault, he got instigated because maybe I should have done it this way. Maybe he, could, he wouldn't have gotten instigated. That's how the victim starts to feel. It's a normal life for me. Then what he slapped me, then what he twisted my arm, then what he pushed me. It's okay. After all, he repented. After all, he came to me and... Uh, you know cried and asked for excuse and asked me to pardon him and that he has nobody else in life and so the compassion arises in in the victim and they keep on staying because of that too because of the manipulation which they don't realize till you know they everything has gone above their head and they can't tolerate it anymore so that is where the years and years go by and Especially in India, I noticed that whenever I approached the lawmakers, the court system, the attorneys, they were totally uh, traditional, I would say, so to say. Because, and I was myself surprised because I thought with in 1980s, uh, the globalization had started to happen. There was a lot of urbanization that was happening. Industries were coming in all over the place people from rural india were moving to the cities and i was like these men are now educated they understand it but they didn't when i approached them they said what do you do that he hits you you know we know that he he is an alcoholic but he should not be hitting you so he hits you means that you do something to him to instigate him so these were the men who were from these rural india where Again, they thought that they had the power and they could do whatever they wanted. The woman is not supposed to ask for divorce. That was a big no-no at that time, that a woman is asking for a divorce. How come you can ask for a divorce? So it was like, what do you do to him? Yeah. So of course you're very strong. You
1: have many angels that also helped you along the way. So as we wind down our conversation, Uh, share some of these experiences and some of these angels who really believed in you and helped you along the way. They believed in you and then you in turn believed in yourself.
2: Yeah. So that was a faith, my faith, that carried me through. If I didn't have that faith, I think it would have been very, very tough for me to escape. But my faith in universe, that universe is my friend, universe is benevolent to me, universe is going to help me, brought me all these angels and collaborators and mentors who provided me the direction. So when I was a victim till that time, I thought, I'm lost, I'm numb. I could not process the whole, uh, you know, the whole torment that was happening with me. In my mind, I was so numb but when i started to pray to the universe i would stand in wilderness and look up at the sky and say please give me direction i want to be free i want to protect my children and that is when these uh, angels started to come and these angels were somebody like you and me they were common human beings you know they were not like somebody who's got a different face or wearing white clothes and you know having those wings on their shoulders nothing like that They were like mediators sent by God himself. And they would come and talk to me. My first angel, whom I call my angel, was a therapist. Uh, When my daughter was born, my twins were not yet born. And I had gone to her and cried my heart out with her. And I said, I just don't know what to do with my life. And she said, Kanchan, you are an educated girl. And you are just like a frog inside the well. You are not even coming up to the periphery, crawl up to the periphery on the walls of the well and look at the periphery, look at the world outside. There is a whole lot of opportunities waiting for you. Why don't you look at those opportunities? So that thought sat into my psyche for a very long time. And then the second angel who came to me was somebody who said, um, whom I said that, you know, I'm really sad and I've got these three children. I just don't know what to do. And she said, you have to become financially independent first before you think of anything. And I said, I've got these three children. How can I go out to work? And she said, stop making excuses. So these are the angels who did not come and intensified my self-pity. They were not like saying, oh, you know... It's okay. Things will become all right. They gave me challenges. They told me, no, don't make excuse. Leave your children wherever you can. Hire a servant, hire a nanny, put them in day boarding schools. But unless you become financially independent, you will not have the confidence in yourself and you will not be able to make a plan to escape. And that was the day of my turning around. I was in a job within a month or That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, this is
1: timeless advice to all because March, we celebrate uh, Women's History Month, uh, April Financial Literacy Month. So, yes, to be financially literate and confident is to be empowered. So, Kanchan, what's next and how can
2: we help you promote your book? So I have become an advocate. I did a certification for becoming an advocate for the women of domestic violence in the state of Illinois. And I do voluntary work with uh, the group counseling and some one-to-one counseling. And that is exactly, I want to continue with that. I'm also traveling to India now to, you know, just to meet a few people there and promote the book. And here Um, I am on the website uh, kanchanbhaskar.com Details of my information can be got from there and uh, just I would want people to read this book you know that's the way to promote it that one person reads like you've read and you're talking about it and you talk to another person and then two people read it and I think my only ambition here right now is that even if I'm able to make one person's life better or two person's life better, then those two people will go to other two, and then those four will go to another two. I think that's how we can form a chain and help a few people in our society. And the society, if we all get together, I think we can make this social change possible where we can help this pandemic. If not, uh, you know, go from the roots, but at least control we can help control it.
1: Well, thank you so much. So well said, leaving. Definitely my required and recommended read for the month. Thank and you. So. To you
0: Hope. Beautiful story that so brave of you to tell it. And just to recap, you were raised in New Delhi by two loving parents, and you were taught that marriage means companionship, tenderness, and mutual respect but in your arranged marriage, you found the opposite. And I fear that too many women aren't prepared or ready to leave. So here's to you starting a revolution, keeping it going. And thank you to Miss Rita for bringing you on her show. We will definitely promote this book every which way we can. through her and through my website so thank you both ladies thank and thank you. you to our readers and listeners and viewers this is this week's episode of margaritas with margarita cheng cfp pro i'm hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on the incandescent radio network and incandescent tv go out and get this book leaving we'll see you all soon Thank you so much for being part of our incandescent radio and TV family. This is Hope Katz Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Incorporated, the PR and publishing company for women entrepreneurs. Our incandescent radio and TV shows are brought to you by our advertisers and clients. Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, brings us 15 minutes of tips every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, where you'll meet experts who are helping us flex our financial muscles. Find all of the episodes at margaritachang.com. You'll also meet intuitive psychotherapist Kara Keem, who interviews therapists and other intuitive guides from around the world. Learn more at And you're going to love social justice expert Karen Hanrahan, CEO of the San Francisco-based Glide Memorial Foundation. She bridges the gap from local impact to global change on her thought leadership show on Incandescent Radio. Learn more about Karen at karenhanrahan.com. You're also going to love Alina Liao, founder of the radical wellness journaling company zenitjournals.com. Alina asks, have you tried to journal, but found it hard to keep up? Zenit makes it easier to journal for your wellness. With Zenit, you can customize your journal with prompts that speak to you, no more blank pages. Your Zenit is your personalized space to take care of yourself. Website, ZenitJournals.com. Feel it, write it, Zenit. You'll also meet amazing Tracy Schott, founder of VoicesForChange.com. Tracy is determined to change the world and end domestic violence. Learn more at voicesforchange.net. And we are so thrilled to be publishing a book for Angela Mitchell, who is the tech expert of case management. And she's also the founder of this fabulous organization, Kids Code Two. She is determined to teach kids to code computers. Talk about teaching a kid to fish. We invite you to discover and peruse all the Incandescent Incorporated websites the magazine for women, by women, about women, incandescentwomen.com. Our health and wellness magazine is beincandescent.com, the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. Our YouTube channel is incandescent.tv. And you can learn about our PR and book publishing services at incandescent.us. If you'd like to have your own radio and video show, check us out at incandescentradio.com, where you can see what we can do for you these podcasts are also featured on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our podcasts are produced by Brandy Wilsker. Our videos are produced by Nelson Benavides. Our website developer is Max Kukoy, and our incandescent illustrator and designer is Michael Glenwood Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email, hope at hopegibs.com. Here is to your incredible indelible, incandescent success. Much love and many thanks.